Hello there, you're listening to the Park Rush Podcast. This is a Thing Park Podcast. I'm Tom, joining me as ever is Josh. Hello there. Hello there, Josh. How's it going? Very good, thank you. Yourself? I'm doing well. We're here to continue our look back through our European theme park road trip from earlier in the year. But we're going to take a break from the German parks this week and talk a little bit about Efteling, Josh. The finest theme park the Netherlands has to offer. And I think fair to say one of the finest theme parks Europe has to offer. Maybe the entire world. Whoa. I think that is fair, Tom. I would say so, yeah. Yeah. So... Part of the reason we're breaking up the sequence of German parks, so if, if you haven't listened to the last couple of episodes of the podcast, we've done trip reports from Movie Park Germany and Tripstrill. We have Fantasia Land and Europa Park to come. But the reason we're doing Efteling first is because Efteling is going to be a one and done episode. Fantasia Land and Europa Park going to both be two parters. So we're getting Efteling, squeezing Efteling in here as our final solo episode from our Euro Rush trip uh, we did though we did do two days at efteling but yeah it's uh it's it's an interesting park it's it feel it feels almost like a pleasant blend between a disney park and something a little more relaxed like a trips drill that was kind of how i felt about it it's got a lot of the same sense of magic and wonder and attention to detail that you would expect from a Disney park. But it doesn't have the super long queues. It doesn't have the massive crowds. It doesn't feel like it's trying to fleece you at every turn. And it just doesn't have that same manic feel, which I think the closest we got to that on this particular trip was probably at Europa Park and Fantasyland. Efteling, yeah, for sure. Well, other than trying to get out of the goddamn place oh, at the end, God which we'll damn. get to. Efteling was a fairly relaxed experience, I I thought. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you know you, you kind of compare it slightly to Tripstrew. I think they have they've gone for they're very similar vibes. Like they they've they've started from similar origins in like a uh, thought process. Um, Efteling's just have you know has a higher, bigger budget than mm. Tripstrew does, and that's and that plays out, but. Um, it's got. It's still got the, a very similar charm about it. Yeah, absolutely. The the kind of Disney side of the inspiration for Efteling, I come think comes very clearly from the fact that, of course, Disney is such a titan in the industry that any theme park with any sort of ambition is inevitably going to look to Disney for a certain amount of inspiration. What do they do well? What do people love about it so much? I think the key thing for Efteling here is is probably that attention to detail and making guests feel really welcome. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, for sure. but you know, I think where it diverges from Disney, more recent Disney anyway, is that of course we don't need to relitigate this, but Disney parks are of course so, so busy these days that some of that has been lost. I think some of what used to make it feel like the guests were the most important thing and you were really being treated well. And it was a fantastic magical day out for absolutely everyone who attended. But I think Efteling has managed to retain that a little bit. And yeah, part of that is because it's a big park, much like something like the magic kingdom, but it's nowhere near, uh, 
attracting the same levels of attendance, frankly. So it is inevitably going to feel a little bit better spread out and a little bit more relaxed. But Yes, for uh, sure. And I think one of the important things or one of the things to know about Efteling is that when Disney were bringing a park to Europe, obviously now known as Disneyland Paris, they consulted Efteling on how to uh, Europeanify, Europeanify the <laughs> Disney uh, land experience to fit in uh, in Paris. I, I uh, think actually, should we get the should we get the main negative out of the way just just so that we because otherwise we would risk ending the episode on a downer, which I don't think overall Efteling deserves. So let's just get it out 100%. of the way. Yeah. Getting out of the car park is a nightmare. It is. Ugh. It's truly absurd how this is set up. And Josh is the man behind the wheel. I don't know if perhaps you're best placed to just explain the process of getting out of this theme park. It, it, it's, it's sort of set up similarly to uh, how you'd expect the big car parks at Disney World to be. Um, where you know you've got all your rows and rows and rows of cars um but then at the end there's literally there's two lanes out and there's no control over you know you're, you're just left to your own devices to figure it out no one there's no direction of like right now this lane has to merge over so to allow the next row of traffic out or anything like that it's just every man woman and child for themselves exit from the end of the row of the car park spaces onto the main exit road is really quite narrow so getting the turn is quite tough there there's no you know there's just pedestrians all over the place where everyone's leaving at the same time and then there's not enough ticket barriers at the exit to you know scan your ticket to leave so it's you know absolute pandemonium uh, and especially tricky when you have to then when you're rushing to get a Eurotunnel train back uh, from the continent back to Britain <laughs> So, yeah, it it we never would have considered this, but it took so long to get out of the Efteling car park on the second day, which was the day of uh, of going back to the UK. That yeah, we were genuinely worried for a what for a minute there. Yeah, like, are we are we going to make it? Like this is taking so long. It took well north of an hour to get out of the car park. It's kind of mad. Yes, and it's a bit Disney esque in the way the car park's set out. And when you arrive, much like a Disney, there are attendants there directing you to the spaces. Now, some some drivers do just ignore them and park up while when there are still spaces to be filled, and that is of course very frustrating. But they are ostensibly there to speed up and make more efficient the parking process. But as you say, on the way out, every man, woman, and child for themselves, and it really is absolute chaos. But that's out of the way now, and I think we can focus very much on the positives of the park, and there are plenty of them. So I love the entrance to this place, Josh. It's got a really cool entrance, which felt very different on each day, because on day two, it was bright and sunny, blue skies. Day one, though, it was quite overcast and rainy, and it took on quite a sinister aesthetic. It almost looked like it wouldn't look out of place in Mordor, to be honest. <laughs> yes. Uh, on, on the second day, it, it looked beautiful, really fantastical and, and inviting. The I think for most people, the first ride of the day, as it was for us on the first day at Efteling, is going to be Symbolica, which is a pretty new ride. It's kind of their marquee dark ride. It stars the park mascot, 
uh, is it Pon Pondus Pardus Pardus? That was it, wasn't Pardue, it? Pardus, yeah. Pardus. Uh, he's kind of like a court jester. So yeah, Symbolica is set within this this castle. It's one of the key landmarks of the park. The key thing that makes this one stand out is uh, is the theming, the pre ride storytelling. There's some wonderful animatronics. There are holding areas within the queue to make sure everyone has a good view and understanding yep. of what's going on. And it was probably the most Disney-esque ride experience that we had across the whole trip. Like, they, it really felt like a lot of money had been thrown at this and the quality of the storytelling, even though it was in Dutch, was yes. clearly very good. Like, animatronics... Pepper's Ghosts, a good mix of screens and real props. And as has become very popular at the Disney parks, it's a trackless ride system, which is clearly proving to be very effective for kind of story-centric dark rides because it can send you around and point you towards exactly what the rider wants you to be looking at at any one time. But in the case of this one, also introduce a slight sense of randomness because there are three kind of different routes that you will go on depending on like the colour of the ride vehicle that you get in and you will see slightly different things based on which vehicle you, you're in. So there's a decent re-rideability factor on this one. Yeah, so obviously, as you say, it's all in Dutch, so the, uh, there is a story to this. So this, was, uh, this is the largest investment that Efteling has ever put into a park, or into its park, sorry, I should say, 35 million euros... Um, and the story goes that um, you are visiting the king Pardofuls, head of uh, Hartenoff, the court of hearts um, and while we're waiting to see the king uh, Pardus, the court jester, comes in and takes you on a guided tour of head and parts of the palace I think it probably is worth doing multiple times and to be honest, even if you ended up doing the same version the second time there is still so much going on that it's it's very unlikely that you're going to soak it all up in yeah. in one ride. I think my favourite scene, just because of how well it combined kind of digital and physical uh, storytelling elements, was that scene where there's like a big water tank in front of you with oh, this enormous yeah. whale in there. And there's That's a point so where he bashes up against the glass and it starts to crack and water starts to come out and, and come towards the, the ride vehicles. I think that was probably my favourite scene. Yes. But it's, it's that level of quality and creativity throughout. I really can't speak highly enough of Symbolica. Mm. And I think about it every day, Josh, because I bought a uh, room, room spray at Efteling, which smells yeah. of Symbolica, and it's still going strong. I, I Give it a little spray around the room each morning, a little bit in the bathroom as well. It's absolutely delightful. It's a fantastic smell. I'm going to be very upset when I eventually do run out. That day will come and, <laughs> and I won't be happy. But for now, it's great. It's got a slightly, it smells a little bit like, uh, there's a slight almondy smell. And I guess uh, for the new listening at home, if you want to experience some of it, uh, it's in the vlog. That actual... Uh, glass conservatory whale scene. I capture some of that uh, and put it in the vlog. So go check that out. 
Oh, excellent. Yes, there is a link to the vlog in the show notes. There's also a link to the Twitter threads that from the two days. If you want to scroll through those as you listen to kind of relive some of the rides we went on and sites that we saw. There's some good stuff there. Um, some of the other rides that we did early on, and I will take into account both days here. Uh, we did Spook Slot, which was kind of more of a walkthrough attraction. Slightly haunted mansion in that it's like creepy and spooky but clearly still child friendly i think they get the tone just about right like <laughs> there's there's a musical number featuring bopping gravestones uh, you yeah. know stop me if you've heard that one before uh, there's also a scene where someone appears to hang themselves it's uh which when you just say that out loud it sounds like a ridiculous thing to have in a child friendly theme park attraction but it seems to be the done thing if you want to do a spooky ride at a theme park uh, but one that you that you want children to still be able to do uh, people hanging themselves is apparently totally fine haunted mansion does it uh this does it and uh, was that was that one at europa park which did it in perhaps the most explicit fashion i'd ever seen God, yeah. <laughs> which we'll get to yeah, uh, the, the important thing to note here, though, uh, unfortunately, dear listener, uh, you won't be able to experience Spook Slot. Is it gone, is it? It's it gone. Alas. Um, it is being replaced by another uh, haunted house type thing, though. It's called Dance Macabre. Macabre. Oh. Is it, uh, coming is it in 2024. A, it's going to be an actual ride or another sort of walkthrough? Well, I'll give you the little bit of... Uh, spiel that Efteling have written the new 17,000 metre squared theme park area and attraction in Efteling uh, will be creepy and terrifying in the Dance Macabre attraction named after the famous piece of music by Sun Sen uh, probably not pronouncing that right visitors will be transported into the story with the unforgettable music from the spook slot haunted house as the main theme the surroundings are a mysterious setting in which the 20 metre high attraction building Immediately catches the eye. The themed area and attraction will open in 2024. Well, there we go. Yeah. Of course, it's worth noting whilst on that topic of new attractions at Efteling, they are investing a lot of money into it over the next few years. They're, I think we talked quite some time ago at this point on the podcast about the fact that they did have to apply uh, to get permission to expand in the way that they want because you know local residents might potentially have might potentially take issue with it but there was plenty of construction going on while we were there they were clearly working on some pretty sizable additions to the park so yeah it seems like the kind of place that might be worth revisiting in two three years time once some of the new stuff has arrived yeah for sure um and you know building a whole themed you know horror you know or not horror but spooky area uh, it's really, really good, cool, cool, and I like the fact that they've based it on the Spook Slot theme. You know, keeping that uh, lineage there, which is really mm. nice to see. Yeah, and while Spook Slot is very evocative of the haunted mansion, a couple of other rides we did in the early part of the day. This was on day two that were also very evocative of some classic Disney rides. So we did Fata Morgana, which I've written here, and I think to be fair, it is basically true. This can be boiled down to what if Pirates of the Caribbean was Arabian Nights? Yeah, uh, 100%. It's the same kind of ride, a slow-moving boat ride focused on storytelling. Again, attention to detail is fantastic. Animatronics are really good. Brilliant music, and again, 
smelled delightful. This is another one of the rides where you could get a room spray that smells like it. And um, I don't think I would have necessarily complained if I'd bought that one instead of the Symbolica one. This was another fine smelling ride, very fresh, much like Pirates. Mm. Yes. And, a, and a, a, quite a nice gift shop as well. I think it was a running theme through some of the gift shops in Efteling was that it wasn't all quote unquote tat. Like there were actually some quite nicely designed bits of park merchandise that evoked and celebrated not just the rides themselves, but like some of the cultural inspiration behind certain rides. Uh, and yes. I thought that, that definitely applied to the uh, Fata Morgana shop, which is kind of done up like almost like a Moroccan bazaar. So um, I thought that was nice. And then there was also the uh, Carnival Festival which uh, is basically, it's a small world, but rather than be on a boat, you're in an Omnimover. And yeah, uh, this, it's had some questionable, questionable. Caricature, questionable caricatures in there. So I think the Japanese scenes were especially problematic, oh, yeah. if I remember correctly. You wouldn't get away with that these days. No, absolutely not. It's worth checking out, and there's no like annoyingly catchy song. Uh, as there is on It's a Small World, but it is, it's similar in that it's kind of, it aims to celebrate different cultures and different countries, I think. As we said, though, some of the, some of it is, is just a little bit dated. Yeah, this ride comes from the 1984, so... Mm, indeed, yeah. Uh, I guess kind of, kind of rounding out here some of the the very child-friendly attractions, uh, we, we did Fabula, which is a, a 4D show, I thought this was really nicely done. This was uh, done by Ardman Animation, who, of course, yeah. you know, famous for Wallace and Gromit and uh, Flushed Away, Chicken Run, stuff like that. Arthur Christmas, which is very underrated. Absolutely fantastic film. And, uh, yeah, this was a decent show, like 10, 15 minutes long, some okay effects, like it didn't knock my socks off, but the animation is really, really nice. I, I think, yeah. to be honest, it would work just as well as... A, a short 2D animation as it does as a 4D experience. I don't think any of the 4D effects really blew me away, to be to be honest. But, no, not um, massively. The, the queue was nicely themed as well. It felt like you were kind of trudging into uh, this kind of forest environment and then into uh, the cave where, where the yeah. bear hangs out. And then the, the, the intro was really cool as well. Like the, the waiting area had like a nice... Uh, just kind of video playing in the background of just things kind of just happening through the cave opening. Yeah, yeah, it was quite nicely blended into the physical environment, so it kind of felt like stuff was happening off in the distance as you waited to go into the main theatre. It felt quite alive in there. Yes. And then the shop and little cafe afterwards was also very nicely themed. There were really nicely... Uh, built models of some of the characters from the film and yeah. it was it was a bit rainforest cafe-esque but the the models are genuinely really nicely done worth it had like a climb, climbing frame in there as well right yeah it was it was nice and then i i think the kind of final sort of kiddie ride if you like that uh that we did across the two mornings in efteling was the max and moritz dueling kiddie coaster uh which like a couple of the rides that we did on this trip is a, is a relatively small scale coaster but one that is extended by the fact that it does two laps so it goes yep. back through the loading station and goes out again for another lap uh, I, I wasn't blown away by this one it's quite nicely themed 
uh, yeah. on a sunny day especially the colors really pop it's quite vibrant but yeah it didn't it didn't blow me away as i say it never really picks up a great sense of speed and i i wouldn't be rushing to do this a second time um which was very much the case we didn't even go back and do the other side of it absolutely i think you know uh, in my ongoing uh quote unquote uh, theme park of my fir- my first theme park where we take kind of my first rides as it were this would be m- my first dueling coaster i think <laughs> yeah yeah that's not a, way- a bad way of looking at it actually it- it's quite a good sort of proving ground to kind of test where your kid is at you know yeah you kind of want to feel him feel feel your kid out a bit like oh, how ready is he for xyz we'll, we'll throw him on max and moritz now give me an idea of what the next one could be uh i think well, let's take a quick break from rides josh because some of the some of the other rides we could talk about are you know a little more intense there's some of the kind of quote-unquote big boy rides big boy rides that, that efteling has to offer let's talk a little bit about some of the food that we had across Ooh. The two days, if, if you like. Yeah. So first, we'll talk about what we had at Baccarai Crumel, mm. uh, which I'm sure I've butchered that particular pronunciation, but this is just a little a little bakery near Max and Moritz. Smells wonderful. One of the yeah, best smelling sure places of the entire road trip. And this has got, you know, caramel goodness up the wazoo. I went a bit mad in here. I, I, it was the last day, so I kind of went big on breakfast and I got myself a caramel slice, which was a little bit like it had the texture of kind of like a crumble cake, maybe like a pecan pie, kind of a blend of the two. It was quite a, not a stodgy cake. That's not the right word because that makes it sound negative. It was not a light cake, put it that way. Right, yeah. It's probably not something I'd want to eat for dessert. It's not a very desserty cake. It'd probably be a bit too heavy. Yeah. Uh, but it had a really nice crumbly top dusted with icing. It, it was a bit sickly, I found, by the end. So it was something that I was quite happy to have in isolation, not not after a meal, you know. And I paired it up with a waffle syrup coffee <laughs> because... <laughs> It does feel like if you're in the Netherlands, you should probably indulge in what are they? Stroopwaffle? Stroopwaffle? Yeah. One of the yes. nation's delicacies. And this is essentially, yo, what would a coffee be like if we maybe melted a Stroopwaffle into it as well? That's kind yeah. of what I ended up with here. And uh, I tweeted with a picture of my breakfast my arteries, my arteries. <laughs> Uh, I think they're still recovering. Josh, you also had one of the caramel slices. You did not have the waffle syrup coffee, but this no. was pretty good, right? The caramel slice. Yeah, very good. Very, you know, it was the the caramelliness, the the street waffle of it came through very well. You know, it was really really tasty, um, and the cake underneath it was, you know, surprisingly moist for quite a relatively dry top. But that, that mm. contrast between the crunch on the top and the moistness of the cake underneath worked really, really well. Yeah. You also got something in here on the first day on the way out. Yeah. You had an apple cake slice. Yes, which I think there's video of that on the Twitter, right? There is, of, yeah. Of, of a review of me eating it on the way out. Uh, that was also, I thought, very good. 
Um, mm. Again, end of the day, kind of expect it to be a little bit dry, um, but moist as well. Very happy with both cake choices. Yeah, indeed. It was very Christmassy in that little bakery, wasn't it? Mm. It felt like a, a, it would be a great place to go on a kind of on a cold winter's day, like pop in there, warm up, have a warm coffee, nice slice yeah, of cake. Yeah, cosy. You know? Yeah, cosy, exactly. That's the perfect yeah. description. And, and I think with the fantastical nature of the park in, in general, it hypes, it builds that up even more. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. 100% agree. I, I think that, that was probably the highlight of the food at Efteling, at least for us. We did also have, we did stop for some Dutch specialty meatball rolls, which uh, you know they they taste better than they look. I would say, yeah, they're, they're not particularly uh, brilliantly presented. They are three or four meatballs in a pretty uninspiring-looking hot dog roll with a load of satay sauce dolloped on top of it. If you saw this on the street, you'd assume an animal had done its business. It was was not the most photogenic food that we had over the course of the trip, by no means. No, I got uh, the uh, proper meatballs, you got the vegan meatballs. Yeah, I was going to say, they offered a vegan option, which is always appreciated, and it was tasty enough. You know, if you like satay sauce, they they don't skimp on it, they pour plenty on there, so... Yeah, and I thought the proper meatballs were were tasty as well, so I was quite quite pleased with it. You know, there's nothing special, nothing standout, but quite pleased with it. Yeah, it was all right. It was all right. Uh, and then the, in terms of dinners, we did do dinner at Efteling on both days. We went into the Panorama table service restaurant on day one, which was okay. I had salmon, which was nice. I can't remember what you had. Do you remember? Uh, no, I can't remember off the top of my head now. Uh... No. But it felt a bit school dinner, didn't it? Like I had, we both had chips and I'm looking at a picture of them now. They look like school dinner chips. Yeah. It was, I thought it was quite overpriced. And the best thing about it, frankly, was that the waitress was lovely. She was very, very yeah. happy. Very happy I, lady. I think, I think I would have had the grilled chicken satay. Yeah, that sounds like something you maybe would have had. But yeah, yeah I, th- I thought it was overpriced. I paid 21 euro for my salmon and chips, which... Yeah was a lot not the biggest portions and you know not not the best food it was it was fine it was fine yeah it was it was a a nicer you know sit down sort of thing than you would expect from many uh, from a uk theme park especially oh yeah um, but yeah it was a bit overpriced for what you got and the food was fine it was okay there was nothing to write home about yeah i i 100% agree I thought the second dinner was better. That was at the Pinocchio restaurant, which is near the entrance to the park. Uh, We went the full nine yards here because this was kind of the last thing we were going to eat before we left the park and then hit the road for the long journey back home. So we went all in with three courses. We both had antipasties. You had a meaty one and I had a vegetarian one. Yeah. We both had pizza. I had margarita. Did you have pepperoni or something? Uh, Yes. Yeah. And then I had a tiramisu, and uh, for my dessert, which was which was all right. Yes, and I had the panna cotta al uh, limoncello. Mm. I thought it was okay, you know. Like I was, the reviews we looked at the reviews before we booked it. I remember, and 
they weren't glowing to say the least and and so going in with fairly mild expectations i was actually pretty happy with the food in here it was it was basic don't get me wrong and the menu was yeah. not enormous but it was nicely done the service was good i think that was again that comes back to what we talked about when we first started the podcast here is that the the service the the way the staff treat the guests and and really try and make it a special day for everyone that they come across really stood out in the dining uh, in, in the dining as well i thought and that was true yeah, of pinocchio sure. and we were in there for a good long while like you were absolutely not rushed in and out at all there was a nice no. spacing between the courses and uh yeah i was i was pretty impressed i was happy with pinocchio it was it was so uh you know uh chill like the vibe was very chill it's not like they were slow it was just um quite casual um that i was actually a little bit concerned that you know we cuz usually you kind of expect them to be like right bang 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 get the get the dishes out as soon as you're done and away you get you out the door and that's sort of was what i was anticipating but it was actually a lot you know more casual than that, a lot more relaxed, which I really appreciated, really liked. Um, and so much so that I was like, oh, maybe we won't get out of here in time. Uh. <laughs> well, yeah, and especially because we followed that up, of course, with the uh, with the car park nightmare. So, uh, yeah. yeah, maybe in hindsight, we should have sped, tried to speed through the meal a bit quicker. But, you know, at the time, at the time, it was great, I thought. It was, it yeah, was enjoyable. Sure. It's worth noting that for some of the sit-downs, booking is encouraged. We did book pinocchio so it seems like they can they can get busy if you uh if you just rock up hoping for a table you might not get one yes i think especially the two restaurants we we sat down in um two of the like busier eateries so they do uh uh, like ask you to realistically reserve uh Mm -hmm. you can just walk up but you're unlikely to get booked i think there was a breakfast place um not not far from Symbolica that was very busy as well and that was like a crepe place I think a crepery uh, alright well we'll move on from the food and we'll talk about some of these big boy rides that I teased yeah yeah uh, we'll start with the Piranha River Rapids oh yeah uh, I got a decent I got a decent splashing on this one I seem to recall and uh, this is this is this is quite a good River Rapids ride I think it's perhaps the most notable thing about this is that the it's quite common for the rafts to bash up against one another occasionally kind of get stuck <laughs> and yeah it makes it feel a little bit more uh spontaneous in a way like you're gonna get a slightly you might get a slightly different experience uh yes uh, there's a rides. there was a bit in it where we overtook another boat yeah and it was like that meme where the two cars pass each other and they look notice each other and like look at each other as they pass it was like that like we were looking at them and they were looking at us like what hang on what what's going how's on this, here how's this happened yeah. yeah not one of the best river rapids rides i've been on but decent enough and not even the best water ride at efteling i think that one goes to uh de vlegenda hollander that's the flying yes. that's the flying dutchman by the way for all you non-dutch speakers out there uh this is great. I think it's short but sweet. I, I could have gone for a longer one of these rides, to be honest, but it's a sort of journey to Atlantis-style water coaster with some really great pirate theming. And whilst the coaster section 
followed by the splashdown, which forms the bulk of the the ride. Uh, while that portion is pretty good fun, for me, it's the, the build-up that really shines. So once you leave the loading station, and the queue, by the way, is quite nicely themed too. It, it builds up some long queues, but it's not not one that I resented having to queue up for because, again, the attention to detail is pretty impressive on this one. But yep, the early portion sure. of the ride, you end up going... It, it's pretty dark. It's pitch black at one point. They create this kind of... There's this rain effect that makes it feel like you're in the middle of a storm, which is incredibly well done. It's very, very yes. convincing. Like, I felt like I was... Oh, we're just going to get wet here, right? This is this is just they're going to splash us, but no, like I don't quite know how they did it, but it was really exceptionally done. Some great fog and mist effects as well to just cloud your view, and I just thought it was incredibly atmospheric and built up a really good sense of tension, especially when you then start to head up the chain lift into the dark. It's uh, it's great. I thought this was fantastically themed and one of my favourite rides at Efteling. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, that theming, that themed area uh, of the ride is just so good. Uh, it's just really, really well done. And I think the build-up in the queue to that section is is really nicely done as well. Yeah, 100%. I think this was, as I say, one of my favourite rides of the day, one that we did on both days at the park. Like, I was very, very happy to queue up and do it again. So, yeah, one that can get busy but one that I think you should probably prioritise. Like, you wouldn't want to go to Efteling and leave having not done The Flying Dutchman. It's one of the best rides there. Yeah, for sure. Right, we've got a few roller coasters now that we could talk about. So there's a decent little collection of them at Efteling. We'll start with Baron 1898, which is a dive coaster in the style of, you know, Oblivion or Sheikra, something like that. Uh, it's kind of steampunk themed again I thought the theming in the queue was excellent I really loved the pre-show the loading experience was very efficient and just on that I thought across all the parks that we visited the Efteling staff again I come back to the Efteling staff they were the best when it came to ensuring that people knew what they were doing when they were getting on and off rides making sure that process was as efficient as it can be helped by the fact let's be fair that Baron 1898 is a pretty short ride there's not a whole lot to it but it's it's got a good drop it's got a good dive and it's one of those that uh is it's a longer dive than it looks from the outside because you quote unquote go underground kind of into a tunnel so much like oblivion so when you're looking at it from the outside you're thinking that's not that high but then once you're on it and you drop and again much like the flying dutchman the use of fog and steam effects is really really good it kind of clouds your view of the bottom of the dive so as i say it is a lot longer than it looks a lot steeper than it looks and uh yeah very much so you know i'm a big fan of dive coasters ever since i first went on oblivion um and i like sheikah and griffin and that sort of thing um yeah i thought this was really good fun really you know really enjoyed this one i enjoyed i mean it's quite easy to say but i enjoyed pretty much all of the coasters here and uh, this might be my favourite here. Yeah, good good time had by all. Uh, I, I thought, though, that my favourite roller coaster at Efteling was uh, Juris en de Drac. Oh, uh, yes, George and the Dragon. Yeah, which is a uh, racing wooden roller coaster. Fire and water, they go up against one another. 
and I, I think it, I think we worked out that it's kind of rigged. Like there is a pattern to who wins. But I but when you're on it, you can't help when you're heading towards the finish line and it's looking like it might be quite close. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't help but kind of like throw myself forward as if I might make the roller coaster go a bit faster. Like come on, come on, you know. I couldn't help myself. I had a great time. I thought this was really, really good. Gotta love a dueling or a racing coaster, and this one is really good. Uh, having a racing Woody is really good fun as well, because uh, you know, because of the the way the wooden coasters are built, you get that you know, you're ducking and diving in between each other in the wooden track, and uh, it feels a lot more intense because of that. And yeah, it's really good fun. Yeah, it's, it's loud, obviously. You've got two wooden coaster tracks running side by side. The kind of roar that it generates is really, really intense. And yeah. when you're in the queue, uh, which is one of the less immersive queues, I think it's fair to say. There's yeah, a, for sure. A, a, quite a long stretch of it where you're just kind of outside among all the wooden supports. But it does mean that every time the coasters fly by, the whole thing feels like it's shaking. And as I say, uh, the, the noise it generates is something to behold. Once you're on it, though, it's like I say, it's brilliant. And we did it a couple of times over the course of the two days. And like I say, I think it's probably my favourite roller coaster at Efteling. It feels like the best bang for your buck of the roller coasters. Like some of the others are pretty short and sweet. And this isn't the longest in the world either. But um, it, I, I feel like it was longer than than Baron. It was longer than Python. Yeah, I think the Flying Dutchman probably gives us a run for its money just because of the indoor section which is a lot slower because it's a boat ride oh of course yeah Uh, yeah if we're talking pure roller coasters though i think um, yeah the racing woody is is the is the best bang for your butt like i say python is very short this is kind of like you're there for the double loop maneuver yeah and the rest of it is is kind of ho-hum like it's very smooth and it's perhaps yeah it looks a little deceiving like you can take your bag on it put it that way you know yes you put your bag at your feet and it stays in yeah yeah exactly i do like the theming of it though like the um, the theming's maybe not the right word here but the color palette it almost looked to me like (laughs) i don't know if this is what they're going for but it almost looked like a skinned snake because the color they (laughs) painted the track kind of looks a bit skeletal yeah i can see that yeah uh, uh, so that's kind of how i took it to to be honest uh, but it's it's right next to uh the wooden racing coaster it's also near the flying dutchman like those three you can hit them up in pretty quick succession if you get lucky with the queues so it's not a bad it wouldn't be an awful place to to start your day at efteling to be honest like symbolica is maybe the natural starting point just because of where mm. it is but if you if you wanted to prioritize any one of these three rides and go there first then there's a solid chance that you would end up being able to do all three of them in a in a quick one two three punch i think yeah for sure yeah what about vogel rock then this is the the only indoor coaster in the park like purely indoor coaster in the park Uh, kind of in pitch darkness you can't really see apart from one striking moment where the light kind of flashes and you realize you're flying right into the mouth of this massive bird who i think is the vogel rock like he's outside um the entrance to the ride you walk straight between that guy's legs to get into the ride building yes again short but sweet but you know 
Uh, roller coasters, in, as we've said many times, roller coasters in the dark always feel faster and more intense than they probably actually are, and that's definitely true of Vogel Rock as well. Yeah, so Vogel is uh, Dutch for bird, so Bird Rock is, oh. the, is the name. I guess a bit like Pride Rock in The Lion King, but it refers to Bird Rock from the Sinbad adventures in 1001 Arabian Nights. And the bird out the front is, according to the Guinness Book of Records, the largest bird in Europe. Um, I feel like the queue is a bit weird here. Like, it kind of... felt like you are in... felt like a shopping centre ride or something. Like yeah. And, like, wasn't... the queue kind of goes underneath the bird to begin with, and then... But it's like a pre-entrance to the entrance, because then that's, like, where the exit is as well, and then there's, like, a weird bit of stairs for some reason... Mm. Uh, it just felt a bit odd, but uh, and then yeah, you you enter into the the loading area and it just it does feel like you're in a shopping centre. Yeah, like one of those Dubai shopping malls. That oh yeah, we've just got an aquarium in here, or you know we've just got a roller coaster. If you just go around the corner over there, you'll find it. Uh, feel I mean I think you know we need to talk of course about the story the the, the fairy tale storybook walkthrough area of the park, which is an enormous section of the park. Massive, uh, yeah. Yeah, just a few other quick hits. We did the steam train, uh, which yep. you can use to as, as a form of transportation, or, of course, you can just do a full lap and get some decent views of kind of some of the more behind-the-scenes of the park, if you like, much like the railroad at Magic Kingdom, RIP, if that thing ever comes back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but the park is so big, and the, part, the way the pathing works here, they're actually... Uh, using the train as a mode of transport makes good sense. Yeah, 100%. And they also have a little museum where you can kind of get a little bit of insight into the history of the Efteling Park, which, you know, if you're a theme park nerd, then that's definitely worth poking your head into and having a look around there. Uh, There was an indoor carousel as well. Yeah. Uh, There was another little... Stoom carousel. Yeah, uh, there's another little sort of Disney-esque dark ride as well called Drumvlucht. Uh, we also did a little gondola cruise, which takes you around kind of the main lagoon in the centre of the park. It takes about 15, 20 minutes to go around. Uh, I think now we can turn our attention to the storybook, storybook village or the fairy tale forest. You know, there's no rides in here. It's purely just people walking around a big space at their own pace for, in our case, an hour looking yeah. at scenes dioramas from famous fairy tales and they're all presented slightly differently some of them are models some of them are more intricate and impressive animatronics some of them are in little buildings where there might be a pepper's ghost effect going on a bit of narration perhaps i thought as a kind of usp of efteling uh, unlike anything else we really saw at the other parks I thought this was fantastic, and I'm, I'm glad we had two days at Efteling so that we could commit you know, a decent amount of time to just walking around and soaking this up. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, we you could take even more time to go around this than we did. There's so much to see here. It's quite, it's really impressive. Yeah, it's great. I mean, to say much more would be to spoil it, to be honest, but, you know, a lot of the classics that you would expect to see represented are here. Uh, Sleeping Beauty, I think, was there. Snow White. Um, some that I was unaware of, you know, that I think have their kind of heritage and history in 
in the Netherlands itself. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's worth noting you've got that... You've like the, the Empress new clothes and Little yeah. Mermaid and red shoes and that sort of thing. Wow, was that a lightning strike outside, Josh, as of recording? <laughs> Live yeah, thunderstorm that, outside. That was intense. That was incredible. That was that, a proper bolt of lightning. That lit up my entire room. Uh, I think that'll do it for Efteling. That's a, a run through all the rides that we did, the food that we ate, and a little bit of the fairy tale forest as well, which uh, is, is fantastic. I really enjoyed Efteling an awful lot. I'm glad we did two days. I think you could do it in one. But I, yeah. I, th- I think two days is a good amount of time because it, it does mean that you can be a little bit more relaxed in the way that you look around the, the fairy tale walk through it in particular I, I think as i say you could do most of this park in one day just fine yeah i think you could but i do think two is ideal just so you have that time to uh fully get that you know fairy tale forest experience like you say though earlier i think the best way to to relive efteling so far as park rush goes is to go and watch the fantastic vlog on our youtube channel i think it's the best performing vlog of of the series so far sure is on there uh lots of really great stuff to see so do go and watch that as i say the link is in the show notes along with the links to the twitter threads from the two days with uh, loads of pictures and and live reacts of various rides and things that we ate so worth having a scroll through those as well if you want to find where we are on other social channels and whatnot, then the best place is links.parkrush.com. If you want to get in touch with us, it's podcast at parkrush.com. And if you want to make sure you don't miss next week's episode where we are yet to decide, but we'll either be kicking off a two-parter on Europa Park or a two-parter on Fantasialand. So if you don't want to miss that, then do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Park Rush is available just about anywhere and everywhere. Thank you very much for listening this time, though, and take it easy out there. We'll see you for the next one. Goodbye. See ya. See ya.